Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Earth Rangers podcast. I'm Earth Ranger Emma, coming to you with a brand new episode while enjoying these dog days of summer. Well, enjoying is a strong word. I'm actually way too hot for comfort. It's like 30 degrees centigrade outside, which means that here in the podcast studio, it's probably about a gajillion degrees. Ugh. Yeah. You know what? Let me see if I can plug in an extension cable to this microphone. Here we go. Now I can head outside and see if I can find a nice shady spot. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, by the way, I am super excited to tell you that we will feature a brand new science segment later on in the show. Almost there. Da, 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 da. Oh, fresh air. That's so much better. <sighs> Hope the sound is okay. You can probably hear some buzzing in the background. No, that's not my microphone cable. That's an animal. Pretty loud, huh? You know what? Let's investigate. Or better yet, let's play a game of who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Okay. I snuck as close as I could to this creature to get you a good sound bite. Ready? Here you go. Do you guys know what animal made that sound? Well, stay tuned till the end of the episode to find out. Oh, we're back on air. Sorry. I was just checking in on my profile in the Earth Rangers app. I just adopted a new animal. Since I was looking for something cool, I went with a thick-billed mer. I named him Stuart. He is so cute. Thick-billed murs are an amazing species of Arctic bird. Just imagining them chilling on the ice-cold cliffs or swimming the frigid waters of the northern oceans is really helping me cool down right now. I'll put a picture of my Stuart up on the show notes. Check it out. What? You guys think he looks like a penguin? Fair enough, I guess. But there are some very important differences. Hmm. I think it's time for a showdown. Ultimate Showdown. Ultimate Showdown. Round one. Who dresses better? Hmm. That's hard to tell. I mean, both look like they have a tuxedo. 
They look so similar, the thick-billed mirror and the penguin could definitely be cousins. But actually, they're not related at all. Thick-billed mirrors belong to the Auk family, a family of seabirds that reside in the Northern Hemisphere and are more closely related to seagulls than to penguins. Penguins live almost exclusively in the Southern Hemisphere, well, except for Galapagos. So they literally live on opposite ends of the globe, but no one can deny that they look similar. But why? Both needed to adapt to very cold temperatures, and the black color of their plumage might just help them keep themselves warm. Round two. Who dives deeper? They are both excellent swimmers, and they can both dive deep into chilly waters to catch some dinner. The thick-billed myrrh can dive up to 200 meters. That sounds like a lot, but the emperor penguin? Well, it can dive up to 500 meters. Clear winner for this round. Final round. Flying. The thick-billed myrrh can do something a penguin just can't. It can fly. Now, to be fair, the thick-billed myrrh isn't a graceful flyer. It's really awkward when it takes off. But the penguin can't fly at all. Well, I think that settles it. The thick-billed myrrh wins this showdown. A bird that is a snazzy dresser, an excellent swimmer, a diver, and can fly? It's like the bird equivalent of James Bond. So you're probably asking yourself, why have I never heard of this awesome bird? I mean, everyone knows what a penguin is after all. Good question. I for one would love to learn more about the myrrh. So let's talk to a real life Arctic bird researcher to see what she can tell us about her work. Here, let me give her a ring. Hi, is this Dr. Emily Choi? Yes, this is Emily speaking. Hi, uh, my name's Emma. I'm working on a podcast about Arctic birds, and my colleagues at Earth Rangers told me that you would be the right person to talk to. Oh, that sounds great. Awesome. So, could you tell me what it is you do? So, I'm a scientist that works on Arctic seabirds. So, I look at the effects specifically of climate change on Arctic adapted birds. Whoa, that's so cool and so important. So I believe you're studying thick-billed myrrhs at the moment, is that right? Yes, I am. Can you describe how it works when you're out in the field studying them? Oh, um, so when I'm out in the field studying them, so typically I'll begin my day by going down to the cliffs. So we all have our specific spots on our cliffs, and we will do a count of all of the nests of the myrrhs to check for new eggs. And we'll just basically sit and watch the birds. So we'll watch them for about an hour. And we'll watch and see whether the birds get up. Sometimes they like to change position and then we'll be able to see the egg. So basically you just have to look very carefully and that's how you can check to see if there's an egg on the nest. Ah, that is some elite level bird watching. <laughs> If they, if they live in cliffs, does that mean that you have to do a lot of rock climbing? Uh, absolutely. So before I went to my field site, I actually took a course for rock climbing training. And then on site, we actually have an expert who's a rock climber who helps us manage or climb the cliffs. Rock climbing for science. Very cool. I'm kind of curious, though. Why do they nest in such dangerous places? Like, what happens if a chick falls? 
Do they have to learn to fly on the first try? No, um, stick-billed MERS, so they actually have kind of an interesting life cycle. So when the chicks fledge, they actually don't fly immediately, but they actually jump off the cliffs with their dads, and their dads actually raise them at sea. So they enter the water, and basically their dads raise them and feed them until they're old enough to fly. So they fly actually from the ocean. Oh, that's so cute. What do you love the most about your research on MERS? Well, I think that they are quite an amazing bird, and they're amazing divers, so they can dive up to 200 meters in a couple of minutes, but they also will fly up to four hours a day during the breeding season, and it takes a lot of energy for these birds to fly because they're very, very big. They're about one kilo They're they're quite big birds, but they manage to do it all, both fly and dive. (laughs) They sound like super talented bird athletes, almost. It's exactly what they are, bird athletes. (laughs) (laughs) You said that they can dive up to 200 meters? Why do they have to dive so deep? So these birds prefer to feed on Arctic cod. An Arctic cod like to school, so they like to swim in big groups at about two to three hundred meters. So that's why it's to reach their prey, which is the Arctic cod, which is a little Arctic fish. Oh, so they're going where the food is. Gotcha. Um, I'm really, really curious to know how you track them, because it seems like they're diving in the water and flying in the air. I read about these little things called biologgers. Is that what they're called? Yes. So we use biologgers. Biologgers are little tracking devices that kind of fit like backpacks on the backs of the MERS. And they can pinpoint their exact location, but they can also tell us a bit about the MERS movement. So based on the biologgers, we can tell whether the birds are flying, whether they're diving, whether they're sitting. So that gives us a lot of information. (laughs) Do they look super cute with their backpacks? They do look super cute (laughs) with their backpacks. They all look like they're going to school, which I guess school being fish. But yes, they look really cute with their black backpacks. Very neat. Um, Now I have just a few questions on Arctic birds in general. Uh, Would that be cool? Oh yeah, no, that would be great. Awesome. Um, Are Arctic birds less colorful than tropical birds? Well, a lot of Arctic birds, like the myrrh, are well adapted for cold climates. So as you can see, the myrrh is black in color, and that might be an adaptation for basically warming up in the sun. So in general, a lot of Arctic birds are less colorful than tropical birds. Hmm. Some birds can migrate halfway around the world. I'm kind of curious why they would choose to live in the Arctic. That's a very good question. You know, like the Arctic, particularly during the summer, cliffs are a very safe spot to raise chicks. So there's not a lot of predators. For instance, snakes. There's no snakes in the Arctic, so the birds don't have to worry about many predators that may feed on their chicks. The Arctic is also a very productive environment, so which means that during the summer, there's a lot of prey, a lot of fish species that will basically school in the waters of Hudson Bay. So that provides a lot of food or energy for the parents and the chicks. Oh, 
So it's a, a prime real estate sort of thing then. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Which bird do you think is the toughest? Like, which bird lives in the most northern reaches? How about razorbills? They sound like a mean gangster. Razorbill. <laughs> oh, that's a hard question. There are a lot of tough birds in the Arctic. You know, I'm working with another group that is looking at basically the effects of temperature on the snow bunting, and they nest as high as alert. So that's one of the highest cities alert. But yeah, like overall, I would say all of the Arctic birds are tough because they're so well adapted to cold temperatures and just extreme conditions of the Arctic. <laughs> Very cool. When's your next trip to the Arctic? Well, my next trip to the Arctic should be next June. So June 2021, I will be going back up to Coates Island and possibly Middleton Island in Alaska. Oh, that's very neat. I hope the trip goes amazingly. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Choi. I feel like I know so much more about Arctic birds that I, I didn't know before. Oh, that's great. No, they're, they're pretty amazing animals. <laughs> well, thanks and uh, happy bird watching. Thanks. You too. Happy bird watching. Bye. Bye. Wow. That's amazing! Arctic birds are so interesting! And you heard Emily, they are really tough dealing with the harsh Arctic. I really thought that razorbills would be the toughest, but apparently it's the snow bunting. Hey, make sure to check out the show notes for some cool photos. Spoiler alert, they look a lot cuter than you might expect for such a tough little bird. If you want to help Emily researching Arctic birds and how climate change affects them, there is a super easy way to do just that. You can adopt your very own thick bold Mer plushie or virtual companion in the Earth Rangers app. Don't have the app? No worries. You can find all of our plushies at www.theearthrangershop.com. Okay, so you already know that it's my passion to learn all about animals and to unlock the mysteries of nature. A lot of what we talk about is considered zoology and biology. But there is another nature science that we haven't really focused on all that much. And I think it's high time we change that. Because we can use this field of science to help the environment and save the planet. And that's exactly what Earth Rangers do. I'm talking about chemistry. And that's why it's time to present a brand new segment to explore the secrets and wonders of chemistry with help from our friends at BASF. It's time for Emma's Chemistry Corner. It's Emma's Chemistry Corner. All right, welcome to my lab. I'm so excited. I've already got some Bunsen burners going and my first experiment is in full swing. With the help of our friends at BASF, the largest chemical company in the world, we're going to explore some of the cool things you can do with chemistry. And I'll even show you some experiments that real chemists do. Experiments that you can do at home. So let's put on your lab coat and safety goggles and get started. Wait, what? You don't have any? <laughs> no worries. In our at-home experiments, we won't do anything dangerous. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Oops, never mind that. Maybe every now and then we will need help from a grown-up, but I'll tell you when that happens. Okay, one sec. 
got to check on my experiments real quick. Okay, just going to move this over here. Or just drop this into the beaker. Start again. And let's turn it up to 11. Set the timer, and that'll do it. I'm making glow-in-the-dark gel to help with my next overnight research excursion. Fingers crossed that it will work. Okay, so let's start with a short introduction to chemistry. Chemistry is the science of matter. And what's matter, you ask? What everything is made of. And I mean everything. What you're sitting on right now and the floor below you, everything you touch, the air that surrounds you, even, even your own body. All of it, absolutely everything, is made of different materials. And these materials, or matter, are made of tiny, tiny, tiny particles called atoms. How tiny? If you were to take one single hair, there could be about two million of the smallest atoms aligned along its width. That's really small. And atoms can bind to other atoms and form something called molecules. Most molecules are also really, really tiny. But the properties of these really tiny particles gives the bigger materials their properties. Properties we can see or feel. How hard or soft something is. Does it feel wet or dry? Even what color it is and how it smells or tastes. So yeah, that's what chemists do. They study these atoms and molecules and think about ways that we can use them to create new materials like medicines to cure diseases or to find cleaner, safer, more efficient and environmentally friendly ways to produce the materials we need. Hey, you know what would be cool? Let's finish today's corner with a small chemistry fun fact. Okay guys, pop quiz. What do diamonds and graphite have in common? Hmm, let's reason through it. One is transparent and shiny, and the other is gray and powdery. Diamonds are really hard, so they can even cut metals. But we use graphite for pencils because it's soft, so it can leave marks on paper. Hmm, so what could they possibly have in common? Well, despite all these differences, diamonds and graphites have much more in common than you think. Do you know what it is? They're actually both made up of the same type of atom, carbon. And both diamonds and graphite are pure forms of carbon, meaning they only contain carbon. What makes them so different is just the way that these tiny atoms are arranged and connected to each other. This really shows how important chemistry is. Both diamonds and graphite are made of the exact same thing, carbon atoms, but tiny differences can completely change how they look or feel. Neat, huh? All right, before we go, I just want to take one sec and check in on my experiment. Let's see. Ew, oh no. It seems that I've created some um, uh, purple goo, I guess. Ugh. Okay, I think next time I'll check in with my friends at BASF beforehand. I know they are experts in all things slimy. Hey. You can even check the show notes for a link to a cool BASF kids lab to learn about tiny things called polymers and make your very own slime. Speaking of next time, in the next chemistry corner, we'll examine how chemistry is related to biology and how some creatures use very unique chemical processes to their advantage. Now, before we move on, let's find out which animal we heard earlier. Let's hear that sound one more time. Mmm, can you guess? 
The answer is a cicada. Cicadas are winged insects who aren't exactly known for their quiet demeanor. They're loud. There are several thousand species of cicada, and some of them are annual, meaning they turn up every year, and some are periodical, meaning they appear in 13 and 17 year cycles. The cicadas that only appear every 13 or 17 years are kind of cool. The female lays her eggs in a slit in a twig or branch, and the eggs hatch into nymphs, juvenile insects. Think of it as the baby bugs. <laughs> the nymphs fall out of the tree and bury themselves in the dirt for 13 or 17 years. In case you're wondering what's on the menu for all that time, they drink the juices of plant roots to survive. Then, when they're ready to emerge, they dig out of the dirt, climb a tree, and shed their skin. And they're adults, finally! Now, you must be wondering what their lifespan is above ground, right? Well, it's only four to six weeks. Yep, not super impressive. I'll tell you what is super impressive, though. The amount of stories we've received from you listeners telling us your favorite animal encounters. And I am pleased to announce that our contest is finally complete. And we have a winner! Drumroll, please! The winner of our Earth Rangers prize pack containing an Earth Rangers t-shirt, a water bottle, and surprise plushie is... Maka from Northern Virginia for her story, The Scorpion Scare. <laughs> Amazing! Congrats, Maka! Your prize pack is on the way! Hey, let's listen to the story, everyone. Hi, my name is Maka and I live in Northern Virginia. And my story is called The Scorpion Scale. One time when I lived in Arizona, I woke up and my papa and my little brother were sleeping downstairs and my mama was sleeping in her room with the white noise on. I was playing with a doll when I felt something crawling on one of my feet. I thought it was a harmless earwig, but when I looked down, I saw pincers and then a stinger? It was a scorpion! Ah! I'd heard of how to handle scorpions, so I held very still. That way it wouldn't sting me. Then I yelled for help. Help! My papa heard me and ran upstairs. I have a scorpion on my foot, I told him. He gasped. The scorpion had curled up underneath my foot. I guess it liked me. My papa flicked it off and it scuttled away. Later, he caught it. My mama came out of her room, and I told her what happened. And that's my story of the scorpion scale. Thanks, bye! Wow, great job staying so calm in that situation, Maka. That was exactly the right thing to do. I don't know if I'd be able to, to be honest. <laughs> now, for everyone who didn't win, don't be sad. If you would really like to get an Earth Ranger shirt or water bottle or some of our other awesome merch, why don't you ask your parents to go to theearthrangershop.com to check it all out. If you use the code EMMASENTME, all one word, we'll give you 10% off anything in the store. Cool? Okay, okay, fine. I think I can do better. Since you guys clearly have so many more animal encounter stories to share, we're running the contest again! Like, right now! Send us your new Animal Encounter stories between now and December 15th, and every story we receive will be entered for a chance to win an Earth Rangers prize pack. This time, containing a water bottle, a surprise plushie, and a limited edition button set. What are you waiting for? 
Go to www.earthrangers.com slash podcast and click on the leave us a message button to record your story. Or you can always email us at podcast at earthrangers.com. I would love to hear all your fall and winter adventures. Well, that's all from me today. Take it easy and keep on ranging. Earth Rangers. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty Narrator here from the Who Smarted Podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com.